we are in Genesis, and we started the new year looking, oh, looking at the beginning of the Bible and trying to understand our origins. And two weeks ago, Alid um, started us off. We, we're looking at, is it too high? Oh. And we were asking the question, why is there something rather than nothing? Looking at, in the beginning, God created everything. And last week, we saw that as part of God's creation, he, he made us, he made humans, and he made us in his image. And that's where we get all, all our meaning, our dignity, and everything. We are, we are a reflection of who God is. So here we are. There's this world that God created. Here's the image of God that he created and placed in this world. And this week, what we're going to do is look at what this image is supposed to do in this world that he created. We are, we are in the same passage as last week, the same scripture we read last week. And let's read that again. Who's okay? Okay, I was looking for Habakkuk here. <laughs> Let's read it together. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They'll be yours for food. Then he goes on and a few whistles later, God sees that all he made is very good. Oh, he looks at everything he made and he says, oh, it looks very good. Shall we pray before we start? Our Father, our God, we pray that you would speak to us through your word, through your spirit, the same spirit who created, through whom you created everything. Help us. Come teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you remember, and it happened to mention this a couple of weeks. The text that we read, it's for us, but it wasn't written to us. And a lot of the difficulties we find in understanding this 
piece of scripture comes because of that, because we are in a different, totally different time, different place to compare to the people to whom this was written. This was written to uh, a Hebrew or those who, have, who would have first heard this right out or would have heard this would have been a Hebrew, early Hebrew audience. And when they would hear this, something would strike them. It's not similar to the other stories that are around them, like in Egypt or in Mesopotamia. Uh, they all have similar stories, similar creation stories. It's like me being here in Sweden, one of the first things I, uh, I got here when I came to Sweden is stories about Norway, jokes about Norway, and realized they also have the same things about Sweden. So neighbors share stories about what's going on in neighboring countries, neighboring cultures. And in Mesopotamia, or Mesopotamian uh, creation narratives, the gods made humans so that the humans would do the work that gods didn't like to do. The gods created them to do all the menial work, or created them as servants or slaves so that they could, the humans could do it for the gods. But here in this text, God creates human and tells them, you rule over everything. You are kings, you are queens, you are reigning over my creation. And that would have been a shock for the Hebrews to hear that, oh, God values us. He created us and he has placed us in this world that he created and he gives us this responsibility, this, this task of taking great care of his creation. And that would have been mind-blowing for the Hebrews. If you're like me, when you read that passage here, there are a few words that sound a bit strong, a bit, bit negative, like God says, fill the earth and subdue it. Um, rule over the fish in the sea, and some of the other translations says, have dominion. Uh, it's, it's, it sounds to me to be a bit negative. It's true, it sounds like enslaving something to conquer something and so on. But in the context of what we have been reading and of what God has been saying, this is good, this looks good, this is very good. It means to bring creation, the, God, the creation that God created, to bring it under our control, to use it for our benefit. So God creates the world with all the potential in it, with all the resources in it, and he sets us off, harness the potential, use it for your good. Use that for your reigning. Use that for your ruling. Use the resources for your benefit. Well, we seem to be seem to have done a good job here. In some places, maybe in some uh, spheres, maybe not in everything. We we have messed up as humans. We have messed up some other spheres, but we know God created nature with all the resources and humans with all the potential, so that we when we rule. We make things. We, 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 we partner with God in His creation. So, 
as humans, God creates us in his image and he gives us this responsibility of ruling, of reigning as his representatives, as his image in his world. And that's big, big responsibility. We didn't do anything to create the world, but here we are, God places us in his world and gives us this responsibility, this task. You take care of my world, you reign over it. So what would that look like in our daily lives, in, in practice? It sounds good as a concept. It sounds good as uh, something to, some, it sounds good to understand it. Um, let's come to the second creation narrative. There are two creation narratives in Genesis. In chapter 1, there's one, which we read the past weeks, where Alan was showing us with all the colors there. Day after day, he creates. Thing. He, th he forms, he fills, and the second narrative, it's the Garden of Eden um, narrative, where God creates man, he places him there, and he gives him a task to do. Coming to Genesis 2 and verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, work it and take care of it. What? It starts here. God is the one who created work or gave us work to do. Have we, have you ever paused to think why do we why do we work? Is it is it is it about making money um, enough money so that we can put food on the table, so buy a house? That's that's all part of the purpose. But is that is that all? Um, is that the purpose of working? Is that why we work? Coming, co coming to uh, this, this verse here, it says, God took man, put him in the garden, and told him, work it, work in the garden, take care of it. Remember when Alad was going through the creation story, the first three days, um, he had colored with a different color and said, oh, it's like God forming spaces. And next three days, it was like God filling the spaces. It was like bringing in the plants, the animals, humans to live in the, f in the space that he created. So God does two things here, form and fill, create and cultivate. Uh, something very similar. When humans, we, as image of God, God is working as image of God, as we work, we create things. We create things and we take care of things. We, we create things, we cultivate things. And that's what God calls us to do. He, creates, uh, he calls us to work. As a result of work, we create things in His, in his world. Houses, food, families. And then things we create, we cultivate it, we take care of it. That's what basically God is calling us to do. Well, there's no other better person to turn to to learn what it, how best to do it than Jesus. Um, when, he, when, when he was on the earth, when he was among us, during his ministry in Galilee, he happened to visit his hometown, 
and this is what his friends or people who lived there to asked him or they, they weren't very happy with them you know, teaching teaching them ministering to them they were quite offended with them and they asked him isn't this the carpenter isn't this mary's son the brother of james joseph judas and simon aren't his sisters here with us and they took offense at him it's mark 6 verse 3 this is how they knew him people of his town people of his village they knew him as a carpenter they knew him as the son of someone who lives among them they knew him as the brother of some some of their friends and this was who who he was for them he was in this son of god who came to came on a mission to save the world and why why was that because he that's what he did he was a carpenter he lived his 30 years of his life as a carpenter in a small village called nasrat that's what he did was it the best use of his time on earth was it the best use of his skills and talents and gifts to spend 30 years of his life 30 years of 33 years making furniture building homes if i was his manager maybe i wouldn't have used him like that <laughs> i would have resourced him some in some other way but that was god's plan it was that was the father's plan for his life that he worked for 30 years was that less holy less sacred than what he did for the three years when he went around teaching was that less important was it less significant no that was part of god's plan for him and that's what god calls us every one of us he gives us work to do it is god giving us work to do it's part of his plan that we work in this world and if you think about think about it if he was living here among us today how how would he have been living he would have lived in an apartment possibly um like many of us or maybe house he was a carpenter he could build his own <laughs> house he would have been maybe working at volvo till he was 30 <laughs> we are in gothenburg but that was who he who was he was just normal living his life um as a carpenter he would have been a photographer or a teacher or an engineer that was that was the best use of his time for 30 years that god had uh, god, god 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 had for him and he did it faithfully martin luther king junior he he says like this if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper sweep the streets like michelangelo painting pictures like shakespeare wrote poetry like beethoven composed music sweep sweep streets so well that all the host of heavens heaven and earth will have to pause and say here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well i don't know for you but for me from background i i came i came in 
we had this notion of spiritual work and secular work and full-time ministry and the rest. The full-time ministry was more holy, more sacred. That was the important thing to do. Nothing wrong with it. But the rest is also significant. The rest is also holy. The rest is also sacred. Consider this. Is what I do tomorrow, this time, less holy than what I do now, what I'm doing now? Or what I did yesterday with my family and friends? Is that less important, less sacred than what I'm doing now? No. It's God who created everything. It was God's part, of God's plan that we work. It's His gift that we, we work. And it's really important to get this into our heads, to divide the secular and sacred divide in our minds. We, whole of life is for Christ. It's for Him we live. He, he owns the whole world. He owns us, and we live for Him. And in, in that line, this is what Abraham Cooper says. He was a theologian, uh, journalist, and he was also a Dutch prime minister. And he says like this, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of a human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. Does Christ say mine only over our Sunday church going? Does he say, your church going belongs to me, your personal devotion belongs to me? It's whole of life. It's what we do tomorrow this time. Everything is Christ. He made it. We do, do it for him. We work to honor him because he gave us the work to do. So the question I would like to leave with you is, do you see your work as a calling from God? Is it, do you see it as God calling you to work? God created you in his image and now he's calling you to do his work work in his world. It's not just the gospel work. It's not just preaching the good news. It's whole of life. It belongs to him. Sometimes we are paid for our work. Sometimes payment, financial payment is not part of the picture. It doesn't matter what's the garden he has placed you in. What's the sphere he has called you into. And wherever God keeps us, he places us. He, he calls us to honor him there because we work for him. We're doing it for him. Studies, if we do it for him, we learn his, we are exploring his nature, the world he created. Work, we are, we are, some of us work to create stuff. Some of us, some, some, of, some, some others, we, we work to cultivate, we, to keep things, as the verse in chapter 2 said. Work it and keep it. Some of us take care of things. Some of us create things. And this gives us purpose and meaning in life. Because we are working for God. Some of you may be familiar with John Lennox. He's a professor at Oxford professor of mathematics, 
and he is also quite involved in sharing the good news of 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 Jesus and and having conversations with skeptics and atheists and so on and he he is past his retirement he's maybe close to 80 and and someone recently asked him oh quite a while ago um it seems like you're doing a good job for the gospel or important work for the gospel why don't you do it go into full time ministry because he's still involved with the uh university as a professor professor emeritus and so on and he replied professor linux replies saying oh i think it's too late now too late to think about it because i've been doing it for the last 40 years as a dad as a professor as a grandfather i've been in, i've i've been in full time ministry <laughs> he has been serving god it's not just the preaching part of his life it's the whole of his life god created us to be rulers workers cultivators in this world and what does that look for you for me it looks like this